just a reminder if if you would like to ask something or or, or share something or bring something up and you'd rather it wasn't uh, recorded and made public, then let me know and I'll, I'll press the pause on the recording. Um. <laughs> Gareth. Gareth has a question about duty. <laughs> just, just kidding. Is that really just the first part? Or? Okay. Um, let me try and say something, see how it lands, and then see, see if you have more. Or, or Okie doke. So, um, start at the end. Yeah, the, the nodes of the lattice, or what we're calling the nodes of the lattice, they... Um, they reflect each other, they imply each other, they contain each other, they also complement each other. So some of them have this, like, is it kind of, um, uh, yeah, they're almost like different sides, or they drag each other in, yeah? So when you have, when you have a sensing the soul, like the kind of thing you're talking about, you, everything you said, I, I would expect. You know, I would expect just these questions and just this unfolding, the word destiny comes up. We haven't mentioned it but I would expect it to come up. Something happens when when we work with an image, with this sensitivity, with enough openness of logos, like Catherine was talking about, enough conceptual framework, um, that uh, it, it starts uh, growing. It, it, start, it starts expanding. More and more elements of existence, not just of ourselves, but of existence, get woven in and sensed with soul and caught up in that whole... Eros psychologos dynamic. So 
Then there's image, and there's this, this, in some way or another, there's a sense of duty, not just where there's image, actually where there's any soul-making. So, um, for example, we just, just briefly talk about uh, something that's not image, let's say a jhana, okay? It's the quieting of images. When you first open to a jhana at first, there's, I mean, it's, it's very rare for someone authentically to say, Oh, well, that was nice. <laughs> and and it, it, it comes with a sense of duty. It's like, wow, look at what is possible. Look at this vista that has opened up in terms of a realm of consciousness. At the minimum, my duty was would be something like, well, I need to explore this more. I need to practice more. I need to find out more. Maybe I need to go beyond this. Maybe, um, maybe I need to share this with others. Yeah. So there's any time there's a stretching in, in of the of the psyche in a way that feels meaningful to us, we have some kind of sense of duty with it. And and with an image it, that can, as you said, be be uh, manifest in different ways. So this is this is <coughs> really important. Every, everything, all the parts of all the parts of the first part of your oh. question, and um, they they really do intersect. So the, the you know the danger and duty is is uh, you know a, a fundamentalist religious terrorist, isn't it? I have this. It sounds the same. I have du- uh, divine and this and that, and I'm on fire with it. And my duty is to kill or, or whatever it is. Um, it missing. Completely, well, quite a lot actually. Um, but but one of the things missing is this: we participate, we assent. W- there's this create, discover, and imaginal middle way. So if I think about some of the things that have uh, um, so, so actually any instance of duty that I might feel in relation to something soul making or some image or sensing with soul, um, it can feel. Can feel actually like the most important thing in my life, that duty, but I still feel real or not real. It's still got that kind of um, that amplitude of, of of the breadth of the of the middle way ontology, the middle, yeah. And so that that for me is really key, you know. Um, so this is again, it's it's something we notice. So. Uh, we can think, it's important to think about it and talk about the concepts, but I think one of the things I'm trying to emphasize about the nose, one of the aspects is that we notice them. So you, you, you start to, whatever order it comes in, you notice a sense of duty, but then you'll also notice this middle way. You know, um, if there's the sensitivity, if there's the delicacy, if there's the energy body there, if there's the openness, all the rest of it, you see. So we can kind of have this notion of duty, and then and then and then something gets cut off, and then we engage this question about. I'm not saying this is what's happening to you, but um, we engage it on a purely intellectual level. So and that's important. So part of this business of what I'm saying, everything gets subsumed into soul into soul making, including the intellect. I point up here, it's not really up here, it's everywhere, isn't it? Intellect. Um, so including the conceptuality, but but you can also use your body and your sensitivity and your mindfulness and your attention. You will discern this sense of yes, this duty that feels so touching to the soul, so calling. And I, I say again, for me, it feels like the most important, that those duties are what feel like the most important things in my life. And, you know, I've said this somewhere or other before, but um, 
one of the things that brings me equanimity in a, a deep equanimity in relation to possibly dying soon and cancer is is the the sense that I'm on track with my duty and I have tried to do my duties plural and that does something to the whole sense of of existence and life and death it's not everything but it's 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 immense to to die with that sense do you understand but I would never try to convince anyone else that what I sense as my duty is is some kind of independently objective fact in, in the universe. It's it's something, as you said, I participate in. To go back to the nose today, I create, discover that duty. And yes, it can change over time, curiously. Um, so that I can think of certain images I just shared recently in, in a talk that, you know, long-time images that um, in the dance of life and image uh, and in the infinite echoing and reflection of those, those have transformed over over time. So the duty is is different. Um, uh, but that wasn't something I decided to change. It's like there was, it's a bit. That one's a bit, uh, you know, uh, sad. So uh, let's kind of change it a bit. Um, it was something that evolved in this dance, in this sort of mysterious, infinite echoing of of life and relationship in life, uh, with and 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 that image and the sense. So the sense of duty actually began to change. It's it's like the same image evolved naturally in the process of soul making, not because I came and said, I think it would be better if, or I'd have less dukkha if, or it would be an easier journey for me if if I change the image and change the sense of duty with it. Does that make sense? Um, so yes, it can evolve like that. Yes, there's always this sense of participation. And yes, there's always this sense of free will, which is when, when I, I was talking very quickly when I, I can't remember when it was, was it last night, uh, with the autonomy. And one of the things I was trying to stress is that um, we always have a choice with soul making. And, and it cannot happen without our conscious, without some sense of my autonomy and my freedom to say, no, I'm not going to do that duty. I'm not going to engage this image. I'm not going to follow this eros. I'm not going to listen to that calling. Or I am. Yeah. So there's always this sense of actually both the autonomy of the image. Something is asking something from me. Something calls me, wants something from me. A lot of psychology, it would be, oh, we're working with imagination. What can I get from it? Yeah. And that, that's all part of it. That's part of it. But there's a kind of, to me, a whole deeper, more, more beautiful, um, uh, uh, territories, landscapes, vistas, dimensions, um, that can open when we also ask the other question, what do you want from me? And that's, in a way, it's a big ask. Um, but so so this this kind of autonomous image it's me but it's not me it's part of me but it's beyond me and it wants something from me and from my life um but i always have my autonomy and so not only am i not going to be kind of um you know possessed in in some way where i'm you know i'm just doing this zombie thing or whatever but also um i can uh what I was going to say. Also, I can say no, you know. Um, that wasn't what I was going to say. It doesn't matter. Um, and 
was another part of uh, there was some important part. Let me just see. Um, um, yes, and there was something else. Okay, so the destiny. Uh, oh, I know what it was. So two things. Yeah, destiny. Well, hold on to that for a sec. And uh, discerning what the duty is. So this, this, um, a lot of this work. If I think back over my my sort of journey with this kind of exploration, at the beginning it was all very clunky and kind of um, describing it to others might have sounded like very dramatic, you know, sort of um, pretty dramatic images or whatever and, and this, you know, kind of journeying process in a landscape with dragons and all that kind of stuff. Um as it progresses, I think, and this applies to other meditations as well, like emptiness, and everything gets more subtle, and, and we grow in sensitivity and delicacy. So the question of duty, you know, take that religious fundamentalist te- terrorist, um, it's anything but subtle. You know, blowing yourself up in a bus station and it, <laughs> is, is not a subtle gesture at all. It's all very rarefied. And, and the sense of duty and what the duty is. So the duty with an image can be all, all the way to just, my duty is to behold it and to be touched by it and to be open to it and to have that sense of mystery. And in my heart, even though I might not physically bow, something is bowing. Something has that reverence. That's the duty. Um, so sometimes it's just that. And from no one else knows anything about it. And no one else can see any obvious manifestation in your life. You've just been touched by the, the poetry of something, and it's between me and the image, me and the divine, me and existence. Other other duties um, manifest more uh, more concretely in the life, but I would be a little suspicious of ones that reflect too too kind of um, a- accurately the, the image, you know. So, for example, you know, one, and I've shared in lots of talks, one image for me is um, uh, th- this kind of solitary soldier. That, that this is one, That's one of the ones that's changed. It hasn't, it's really not that present much in, anymore. Um, and, but for a long time it was there. Now, I would, I would, the, the last thing I would want to do is join the army. <laughs> <laughs> Really not my cup of tea, you know. Um, and I've, I've, uh, you know, I, I, I was never into fighting. I, I never, you know, I didn't even like rugby and all that stuff. You know? um, so it, it, but, but I can see in my life how, how, uh, you know, how combative I am in, with when I need to stand up for something or some, some vision or, or, or sensibility that feels encroached or some kind of care that feels encroached socially, politically, or in a certain scene. So there's, you know, I can see it mirroring that way, but I'm certainly not driving spears through anyone or, or that kind of thing. Um, so there's a kind of reflection there, but it's not, do you understand? How to discern, I don't know, I don't know that I have an answer to that, really. But maybe it's something to do with this, the other note of the infinite echoing and mirroring. So that there's there's the action. This maybe ties in the destiny. There's a sense of my life, my choices, my actions, my my behaviour, and and the image, and they they mysteriously echo each other. So that we're 
As as everything gets more and more subsumed in soul making, which means everything, my body, my intellect, my sense of my journey, my dukkha, the cosmos, the sense of God or Buddha nature, uh, materiality, relationship, everything, um, then more and more this we get this echoing sense, uh, this infinite mirroring. And it's, like I said, again, I'm not sure when was it yesterday, we can conceive, a normal way of conceiving images in our wider culture would be something happens in my life or something exists in my psyche and the psyche generates the image of that. It's a result, it's a representation. We can play with a conception the other way around. My life is generated by the images. The image is primary in that sense. Does that, does that yes? Begins to say, what, what's my destiny? You know, is my destiny somehow, um, and tie this in with the autonomy, not given so much as I'm offered something. I'm offered something, and that thing might be a really difficult thing. It might be really, you know, really dukkha, you know, um, or it might not. It might be something really lovely. Um, but it comes, so I have to say yes to that. So this, this cancer could just be cancer. It could just be death. It could just be pain. It could just be, or it can be sensed with soul. It can be, so that's not a destiny so much as an offering. Do you want to pick this up and sense it with soul? And then it becomes a destiny. We make it, we soul make. We, do you understand? So again, even the sense of destiny is created, discovered. We participate in it. We retain our autonomy, and yet there's something possibly calling us. And all of that is, is you know, both a kind of um, concept and, a, and an image, really, of life, a, a sensing the soul of life, but also conceptual ideas that arise. You know, you said it, I didn't say it yet. Um, it arises generally, uh, um, it arises out, out of the, out of the, 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 the alchemical process of soul making. I would expect these things to get everything, everything, everything will get woven in. Soul wants to grow. Soul, as I said sometime, loves soul making and would just reach out and draw in everything into that process. Do, do you understand? How's that for the first part? <laughs> is Yeah. <clears throat> and as a kind of overall benevolence that feels present in the imaginary, it feels in this framework of 
then so I just I just kind of wonder about and I'm thinking about a particular person who experiences or has experienced images that are, that just feel that just feel like there's no benevolence and how to help I suppose is one question and and somehow it feels like this way of practicing is like there's a, there's a sense of blessing like the dark image comes and working in this way is like just blessing the image and it's like pulling it forward and then and then the other thing that's coming through is it's like the way Ajahn Kuhn looks at the Thai forest masters would help people when they have in that logos dimension towards spirits and it feels like there's some elements of this practice like the, the love that they would encourage, <coughs> whether that's a faith thing or, you know, then obviously there's like a whole area of sort of mental health and emotional sure. welfare. <coughs> Sorry, that's a little bit to start bringing forward. Yeah, so the, the question's about evil and um, and images that, that feel evil or, or and then images that are terrifying, um, but not necessarily or dark, but not necessarily evil. Um, and how does it fit in with mental health and um, other cultures where they're much more comfortable? Uh, people believe in spirits and spirit possession and that sort of thing. Um, so, I um, I can just say say for me it. it I can't say about your friend because they're, they're not here and I, I haven't met them and I don't, I don't know. If I'm, if I'm with someone, um, who's agitated that, you know, in, in some kind of way that maybe su- suggests uh, something like that, um, I, I, I guess I, for me as a teacher, ha- have a certain sense of where, whether there's a possibility there to convert an image, even if it seems evil and terrifying, for that to, become imaginal. And we talked about this spectrum. On one side, papancha and, and that kind of rev, you know, the reification of that, the clinging of that, the terror of that. Um, so sometimes people uh, might come with something that's really disturbed them, but there's, there's something in either how, how uh, there's something in what they're saying that, that, that shows me a, a possibility. And then we can work together and with, with a lot of this. And other times, and I can, I'm, I can think of several several examples where a person wants to work with the imaginal, but I can I can see they're really not ready. They don't have um, they don't have that capacity yet, you know. And so I would say absolutely not, not for you, not for you yet. Um, and they might need other kind of help, etc. Um, the part of our conceptual framework is that the image is a dependent arising like everything else so it arises um how the image is and how whether it seems evil or as you say it can be dark and this is really really important if 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 you haven't got this yet an image can be dark and involve dukkha but yet have that love in it somehow and the beauty and the and it feels soul making really really important to to know that there's there's the the light side and the ethereal side of soul and there's the dark side and there's not any greater beauty in one or greater soulfulness this is really really important um 
So there's that range of what an image kind of, I don't know, the texture, the, the tonality of an image, let's say, um, in terms of light and dark in the broad, in the broad sense of what those words mean. But in our, in our conceptual framework, in our logos, the image is always a dependent horizon. That's, that's partly what the lattice is saying. It's saying that the image, it does have a certain autonomy, but at the same time, when we talk about the imaginal or what's imaginal, we're talking about the whole thing. The whole, uh, mix, gestalt of all the lattice, which some of which seems objective and some of which seems part of me, subjective. So that, like when we talked about trust, it's like if I can just sprinkle a grain of trust there, um, the image changes. The image, um, w- will become less threatening because the, in, I've now put something into the alchemical vessel called trust. I've put this substance called trust into the alchemical vessel and the alchemy of what then happens is changed. Do you understand? But the other, um, what Catherine mentioned today, logos is also, uh, one of the, one of the nodes. So that actually what arises depends on the conceptual framework. So in a culture like Thailand, for example, John Fuang and those guys, um, in Thailand, they, they, they live and breathe. They're brought up with a conceptual framework of spirits and ghosts and possessions and all kinds of stuff. And, and so when they have a certain experience, um, they are bringing, even the, the least intellectual person there is bringing that whole logos, not as a whole big articulated philosophy, but just kind of implicit. And that colors the experience too. Now, if that's not shiftable, so I, you know, Ajahn Fuang is not going to sit down and teach them about dependent rising and all that stuff necessarily, but, but he will introduce something like love. And so again, the node in our language, the node of love, um, is again something I notice, but also something that I can bring. My loving the image, it's like the trust, and, and it starts to change something. Yeah, it's because the image is a dependent rising, but also the conceptual framework. So again, if I, if in my conceptual framework, there's the idea of it as a dependent rising, there's the, 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 just a, just for a little bit entertaining the idea that, that soul has treasure for me, that there's something redeemable, uh, in, in what appears dark and what is dukkha. And redeemable doesn't always mean making what's dark light. It means seeing the light, seeing, seeing the beauty and the soul in, in the dark. Do, do you understand? But that's part of the conceptual framework. That, the idea of dependent arising is part of the conceptual framework. The idea of, uh, do you, you understand? <coughs> so, in some situations, you, you, you simply can't change the conceptual framework. It's too big a job. Um, you know, someone asked me, can you, can you recommend some talks that explain the conceptual framework? Well, well yeah, but they're quite long. Um, (laughs) uh, it's it's a it's the thing about conceptual is quite late it's quite um heavy it's heavy machinery you know a lot of it's unconscious but eros is something that can flicker up very quickly and die down very quickly image can can flicker but tends to stay around a bit longer logos is like it's it's slower and and some of the log, logoi uh, that we have, um, they're really entrenched. We don't even realize we have them, like about what matter is or about what the universe is. We've inherited that from hundreds of years of Western culture. Um, I mean, not everyone has that or uh, all kinds of things, you know. So so that's the that's the the the, the more the slower piece in, in all of this. So 
it, it's hard to sit down with someone um, and kind of just get them to, to change their conceptual frame. After a while, with this kind of business, you can, actually. You can just go into seeing things with this concept. Like, someone someone asked me... Um, <laughs> it's a ghost, yeah. Um, someone... Um, where was I? Um... Oh, someone asked me about some, some, something, and, and it, it's become almost uh, in time that when soul, when concept and conceptuality and, and the thinking mind and logos gets involved with soul, then it, it again it ignites it, it fertilizes it, it makes it active. It will push out, it will expand, it will gain complexity, and it will also gain flexibility. So that it becomes quite possible, you know, to just change a conceptual framework right in the moment. I just see it this way. I'll just conceive of it that way. I'll conceive. So going back to your thing about duty, I'll just conceive of it given to me as destiny. Or I'll conceive of, no, I'm completely autonomous and, you know, or, or something else. So it, that becomes, with practice, really quite flexible. You can just step in and out of different conceptual frameworks. Um, but the main point here is, is that, um, the image and the tonality in terms of evil, good, benevolence, dark, like, the, 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 the tonality, the image arises as a dependent arising. Dependent on concept, affect, trust, sensitivity, energy body awareness, um, uh, love. Yeah. We participate. You, you can't not participate, and it's just a matter of realizing the kind of full beauty and extent and depth of, of the participation we have. Is that, <laughs> is that okay? Um, okay. So, um, it's, it's 6.32 or something. Do, do, do. <laughs> okay, just a little bit. There's something in the notes. The non-believers must feel bad about it. Oh, okay, yeah. Could Jill? I change your mind and say I'd like to talk about the notes? The notes, you're here, yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay, so, um, actually, let's go to Jill's question. So, um... Can I just say it? Oh, sure. So, um, I'm... to do with love work especially the being loved being loved by an image or being loved by something or other that we sense with soul which could be a, a tree or uh, whatever it is yeah and um, when, when you ask how does it work Jill, do you mean what's the sort of conceptual mechanism there or how do I recognize it how do I ah okay alright so how do I recognize it take the second one first um some images are just obvious because it's a it's a just a you know a grandma that's just kind of hugging you and and or some actually images just tell you I love you you know and 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 it again we said what does the image want it wants you to know 
that you're loved. It wants you to know, wants to communicate this love. And your duty, if we go link it, we can. My duty is to see that and recognize it and let that in. Yeah. Um, so that's very obvious, you know. And it could it could be sexual, you know, sex, sexual uh, erotic love, and um, but it it could manifest in all kinds of different forms, more or less obviously. But again, if we go, if we can link it to something we said with Gareth, a lot of what happens is um, the the whole feel of things can expand its range to include what's a lot more subtle. So it's it's interesting, you know. I'm with this tree, or whatever it is. Maybe it's a, you know a real tree, a physical tree, or I have an image of you know some kind of stone. How do I? I have to kind of be very delicate in my attention. So it's not obvious. It's not going to um, do something obvious in terms of its communication. I mean, it might actually, because the tree could speak or, or, or something. But but sometimes the the range of things just gets more subtle. So that means we just have to be quite delicate and open about how we might feel that. One interesting thing is if you... So everything's interconnected. So it might be some other node that starts to ignite this node, but it might also be in, this node's really a pair, loving and being loved. So if you communicate your love somehow or other, in words, in gesture, in image, in, in um, it might then, in the reciprocity of things, in other words, your love ignites its love, and um, and and then it becomes more visible. So sometimes the the communication acts as a kind of um, uh, you know, alchemical spark. Okay. Yeah. So I don't think there's a there's an exact answer so much as just to know that it can get really, really subtle. Does that make sense? Um, the conceptual mechanism. Um, I mean, in a way, it's part of the auton the, the sense of the autonomy of the image. So, in other words, this image has personhood in the sense that it has soul. So it has its own sensibility, its own way of knowing, its own intelligence, um, its own affect, its own love, its own eros. It desires you. Yeah? So there's... <laughs> it's to- it's to- totally, yeah. So again, this is something that... We-, we could have played another game on this retreat, which is just given some instructions and... I could have had a, a sealed envelope, you know, like they do on game sh- some game shows or whatever, and it would have the, the nodes in it. And you would each have a sealed envelope. And I would just wait, if it was a longer retreat, just wait in interviews for you to come and report <laughs> which, which node. So it's, it's, something, it's something that you, you'd notice, right, in, 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 the, in the mystical unfolding. But it's something we can also activate as well. Yeah. How does it happen? It happens because... Um, Let's relate it to what Catherine shared about the soul-making dynamic, this eros psyche logos. Here's um, an image, which we're calling as part of psyche, okay, as image. And that image has something beautiful and attractive to it. And and in in feels like here arises my eros. My, there's something I'm drawn to this image, or I want to fill out in it, or there's some kind of... Um, d- desire, dynamic, that wants to kind of be more intimate with it, inhabit it more, or touch it more, know it more, or, um, you understand, that, that's what we could call eros. If the logos, 
decides that well an image is just a you know for example it's just some brain neurons firing it's just some nonsense nothing's really going to happen with that it might give you an idea of what you might chase in life but you'll have to go looking for it out there if though the logos um, and the sensibility um, allow a kind of expansion what happens is the image itself starts to get more rich and more deep and more more imaginal, more multifaceted, and we, it starts to come alive really through through this kind of di- dynamic of eros, which is is looking for more. Eros is always looking for more, not in a problematic way. If it's allowed to expand, if the image is allowed to expand, and as the image expands, um, it 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 begins to feel like some of these things that Gareth says, it begins to feel like it's asking me something and it's loving me and it's got this dimension and that dimension, this aspect and that aspect and, do you understand? So so the wanting more, it's like it um, inseminates something and it starts to expand and because the Logos allows it to because the Logos, we're starting with the Logos saying, just, maybe there's a treasure here, maybe imagination has something the imaginal has something of value and maybe there's something to discover here so the, uh, and then the logos can expand even more to to you know so, and so the image gains dimensionality aspectedness complexity multifacetedness all character personhood does it make sense because like a person you then are in relationship and and just as with a person you wouldn't say you know, you would grant them full personhood. You would, you would, um, only someone with some kind of, um, uh, you, you know, cognitive incapacity, um, would, would not be able to sense the personhood there, the fullness that there's eros there, there's love, there's intelligence, there's a kind of knowing, even if it's very different than what we're used to. So this image of a stone, it's like, how does, a, how does this stone that has come so alive with soul, soul, how does it know? It knows in a very different way than I know. It doesn't have all these fancy ideas and doesn't talk for hours on end. For it. <laughs> 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 but a stone, yes, precisely. It communicates, exactly. Yes, yes. So there's a resonance. And again, there's this kind of mirroring, infinite kind of mirroring of you and the stone, for example, or whatever, and and that that's very, it's very multi-leveled. Multi, it it will just rather than getting simpler and simpler, it gets more and more rich, more and more complex and diversified and multi-dimensional, multi-aspect. And then because of that, there's more for eros to fall in love with, and it's more. And there's a sense of, I, I see more, and I I sense even more that I can only dimly, and that attracts the eros even more. So the eros kind of. Uh, once more, things expand more and more and more, and and that's actually infinite. And then everything starts getting, uh, as I said at the beginning, caught up in the soul-making dynamic: self, other, sense of world, sense of eros itself. All of it becomes is is given this kind of or, or sensed with soul, with holiness, dimensionality, all the rest of it. Does that? Yes. Okay, that, that's that's enough. Huh? <laughs> let's let's have some quiet time. <clears throat> Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.